Ladies and gentlemen, welcome and thank you for tuning in to Lee Loose Library, Lyrical Lunacy's weekly podcast that documents and presents poems, songs, and stories told by our neighbors here in Bangkok and around the world. This week is all about metaphysical musings as we take a look at a few poems that reflect upon the essence of reality, how we perceive it, what is versus what could have been, as well as what was. My name is Pop Leroy, a.k.a. Leroy Jenkonius III, serving you up with a heaping helping of what we call Lyrical Lunacy's Tom Yum Soup for the Soul. Speaking of what was, what is, and what could be, if you have been following the podcast since the start a few years ago, you may have noticed a slight change in its name. What was once Leroy's library is now Lilu's library. Although I am the librarian and custodian of these documented voices, and as much as it's nice to have a library named after one, it's more on brand to go forward with Lilu's library because Leroy is a mere mortal and Lilu is forever. So thanks for sticking through with us all these years, and we hope you stick around some more as we move forward with this shiny new name. And with that said, let's get to these metaphysical musings. The Greek philosopher Aristotle in book Zeta of his writings known as the Metaphysics, begins by remarking that being has many senses, that the purpose of philosophy is to understand being. The primary kind of being is what Aristotle calls substance. So what substances are there? Are there any substances besides those that we humans are equipped to perceive? Within the three dimensions of reality that we have access to, there's plenty of substances to examine and learn from, but how might we know of that which lies beyond our perception, let alone learn from it? All we can do is muse and speculate, as Damage Control does in this poem he brought to our last poetry slam. If my tongue were split in two. Last night... I tried to look at 4D space, but found the view was made for other brains. Just three is all that I can see, and so it be from day to day. So if I can't look up, I'll study down. As two draws three, I'll paint this town. I'll paint the people with cool backstories and fill the blanks with interesting sounds. But if four sees three in its entirety at every instance that it be, I'd have to sculpt infinity twos before I could have one that I could hold on to. Maybe I can learn to hop like a bug on paper from bottom to top. Then you would see me here, and all of a sudden I'd be there. I could tell you that I'm everywhere, and you wouldn't reckon not. But it gets a little boring, playing with empty space. No offense, dog. I speak no player hate. I wonder if I'm the only one in 4D space who forks his tongue. Because bottom up is how I move, so maybe top to down is how you do. I'll keep an eye out for the cross section, your 3D shadow in my simple perception. Maybe it's what they call a sense of destiny, when gods I made signal messages to me. The matrix and the deja vu, the hey again and how do you do? 
I'm not entirely sure where I'm going all with, with all this, but that's the point, and why my tongue is forked, I guess. Maybe one day I'll be able to tell in from out, like left from right and up from down. Maybe that's what they mean, to see through you. Because walls down here can't block the view for someone really close to you. Is this what it means to let them under your skin? Maybe she's me in my own projection, or porous ego boundary ought really to strengthen. See, I get confused when left tastes right, but right tastes true, so I make much ado defining the me and you. But more importantly, perhaps, is how to make a moment last, or experience the sum of all things from a single moment within. A graphic representation shall have to sate my fascination as I learn to comprehend these things and what intuition shall never mend. Thank you. The difference between what is and what could be is infinite, right? It creates this ever-expansive realm sloshing with potentiality, this realm of possibilities of alternate realities, some unseen and unknowable, others logical and predictable. They run in parallel to our actual perceivable state of things and how that unfolds across time. Here's a poem from our open mic show where Joe Shikarshi regales us with his related musings and an encounter that sparked them. This is called A Realm of Possibilities, and it owes a little bit to Patti Smith. Any Patti Smith fans? Okay, a few. At nine in the morning, outside the train station, I see a young man sitting at the bus stop with a bottle and a brown paper bag. He drinks some wine, smiles at a dog running by. He asks me if I'm a student on my way to school because I'm carrying all these books in my hands. And I say, um, no, I'm an English teacher and I'm on my way to teach a class. He says, oh, I liked English when I was in school, but I dropped out. I joined the army and I was in the war and I never went back to school. Then he offers me some wine. And I think, on my way to teach a class, no, thank you, but maybe another time. Then he asked me, do you ever think about the realm of possibilities? I stopped, startled. He says, the realm of possibilities. I think about it a lot. All the different things we could be doing all the different people we could be. My friends don't like it when I talk about it. They don't want to hear about it. But I keep thinking about the realm of possibilities. Ever since that day, I think of possibilities. I dream of a sea of possibilities and walking into the sea and suddenly being surrounded by waves, water, tide, roaring, crashing, foam, rushing, water, diving into the sea where I can see the realm of possibilities. Sometimes things don't pan out as we expected or might have hoped 
sometimes they turn out far worse. Often this can keep us obsessing over past potentialities as we lament what could have been. We know that the words we use colors our perception of the world and how we experience it. And if we don't have a word for something, it's completely overlooked. We just can't see it. So it could be the case that the words we have available to us don't allow us to see our actuality in a positive light. So out of fear of confronting our past, we cut off our current self from our past self, missing out on opportunities to fully realize our potential. As we plot our path across time, it's important to look back and join our past selves in fellowship so we might give the most potential to our future self. The poet Ellen Louise sums this idea up quite well in this reflection she offered up to our audience of lyrical lunatics during the Bangkok Poetry Slam. All right, I'm going to take you all into space. Right before sleep, I sit up and scream, please just stay away from me. A disturbed child lives inside. She knows there is no place to hide. She treads very lightly into her sleep, becoming aware of the creeping feet. The feet come in, they seem quite eerie, and her powerful instinct tunes into the streaming. Fear rises up, and she begins to figure it out. A monster comes near, and she starts freaking out. What happens to her is not understood because she doesn't have the language that she hoped she would. Her voice is completely taken, and her world stops. Her nausea comes into focus, and her brain's about to pop. Shot into space, her consciousness goes. Her thoughts and her mind become disconnected in the flow. The flow of dimension, this everyday life, this physical being, doesn't feel quite right. The turmoil it sends her in a rocket on a mission she descends into subconscious, where she gets recognition. These really bad things that have happened to you allow your soul to cleanse, to breathe life into you. Trauma, my dear, sets off many different missions, many different quests. The key is not submission. But merely to be aware of what the trauma tells you. Your missile has descended. Your feelings are coming through. You knew all along that you would be okay. It's fine to freak out love, but your mission's done anyway. Thank you. Good morning, welcome back, kid. It's the desert out there, in fact, it's quite dark and cold, don't harden. Don't just see the wee so still attack. What we can't perceive is understandably unknowable. Thus, the possibilities of what is real and what is true can be as grounded in logic and empiricism as it can be in speculation and whim. What happens to us when we end our tour through space-time? What was happening before we even kicked it off? Who knows for sure and how? The poet Swordfish shares his idea of it all in this recording from 2017. I come from planet Earth. It's quite a lovely place. Though I've lived so many lives, some are hard to face. Everything we do, it's just a big cycle. It's natural, doesn't mean our lives are trifle. The natural order of things, turns out, is reincarnation. Every time I died, my soul began the transmigration. Everything in history, it's doomed to repeat. We've lived a thousand lives, just a different heartbeat. 
Let's look at my life from the very first page. I used to be a mollusk in the Cambrian age. I lived in the ocean, ocean depths, very peaceful and dark, living a simple life until being eaten by a shark. That wasn't the end, oh no, far from being over. My soul moved to a new being, life was starting over. I was a, whittle, a little woodlice living in a tree trunk, tiny in size, but my soul hadn't shrunk. I ate leaves, fruit and wood like it was gold, and I died at the ripe old age of four years old. My soul had grown bigger, I was a massive dinosaur, but that didn't last long due to a certain meteor. Reincarnated again, this time I felt so free. I was a wee little sapling, soon to be a tree. 37 peaceful years, my roots ever expanding, until the frightful day that I was struck by lightning. Born again once more, this time as a baboon. For the first time in my life, I got to appreciate the moon. I'd steal fruit from the back of someone's cart. At this point in time, humans were starting to get smart. Their impact on the world was undoubtedly growing. Their numbers increasing, the humans overthrowing. I thought humans would kill me since they never quit, but really a coconut fell on my head and that was it. No more living, my baboon body decomposed. As my soul transferred into new life, I arose. Now a bird, I live not in the sky but the sea. I was a pelican, born near the harbors of Sydney. I lived a happy life eating fish and krill, but I didn't survive long thanks to an oil spill. New life begins, this time I'm a moose. This was my favorite life and that much is the truth. 21 years living in the snowy tundra until one day I was shot by a hunter. He took my carcass and mounted my head on his wall. The fates of past lives aren't always pleasant to recall. Born again, I'm an ant. This one's no anomaly. Loyal to my ant queen and to the ant colony. I worked with my ant brothers and everything was class until I had a bad encounter with a magnifying glass. <laughs> the next chapter of my life, I was a happy little starfish, but I was taken from the ocean and placed in a box against my wish. I lived in the aquarium. I hated it. It wasn't for me. So many people poking and too much flash photography. I didn't live too long. They never cleaned my tank. I died in filth. I only have the humans to thank. What will I be born as this time? Hopefully something bucolic. Little did I know I was inside a human bollock. I lay surrounded by millions of white tadpoles. The reason we're all here is to go through one hole. I remember I had a big race against all of my siblings, but I was pleased to see that I was actually winning. I made it to the egg. I went through with a burst. That was the only time I'm glad I came first. After nine months of sleeping inside my mum's womb, my doctor pulled me out, releasing me from the tomb. The next 20 years of my life would be really confusing. Humans are weird creatures, some of them amusing. But my soul is so heavy now. I feel so frail. I worry for the first time in my life that I'll fail. Is this the human condition? A feeling completely new. I'm a lot smarter now, but prone to misery too. I'm finally on top of the food chain, so that's not so bad, I can't really complain. I'm 100 years old now, and I feel ready to die. This world is no longer human, it belongs to AI. I take my last breath and shut my eyes for good, but my soul didn't move on like it normally would. Thank you. Well, folks, I hope you've had your fill of these metaphysical musings from some talented poets who also happen to be your neighbors. You're always welcome to join them during any of our poetry slams, workshops, open mics, or discussions, be they in real life or online as our current actuality dictates. Our next open mic will be held via Zoom next Friday, October 8th. We hope to see you there, be it just to watch and enjoy or to share your own words. 
Be sure to follow us on all social media stuff, searching for Lyrical Lunacy on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and please give Lilu's Library a review on your podcast platform. It all helps to keep up the momentum and enthusiasm to document our neighbors in Bangkok and the world and bring it right here to Lee Lu's Library. I've been your host, Pablo, and I wish you an awesome week. Until next time. And to close off this episode, here is an instrumental hip hop track for you to enjoy, concocted by none other than Swordfish, who you just heard spit a poem. Man, how talented are our neighbors? Well, thanks for tuning in to Lilu's Library and see you next time. <laughs>